Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 82 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in association with FanHub, where the fans come first. I'm delighted to say, back on the show this week after his modelling stint on Crosby Beach, is uh, is Pete. Pete, thanks very much for, for taking your speedos off and putting your full attire on for today's show. Yeah, no worries, lads. <laughs> I've just shown everyone the pictures, Pete, as well. We've just been having a bit of a look at that. Then you're looking fine, fettle. You know, considering it's locked down and all that, like, you're looking in great shape, to be honest. So I'm sure those photographs will be made public at some point in, uh, over the next few weeks and for our calendar for next year, that's for sure. Uh, but <laughs> also on the show, regular friend of the show, the guru, El Pivote, Andy McGregor. Handy, and Handy, Handy, Andy. How are you, mate? <laughs> Glad to give a hand. Hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> And Andy's sport a crack and do as well. He's got a, a, the, the lockdown locks on the go. Uh, Lee's just referred to him as uh, Antoine Griezmann, which he's delighted about, aren't you, Andy? Yeah, Antoine Griezmann's going to sue me after he said that, but thanks, Lee, anyway. <laughs> it's a compliment, mate. Yeah, it's a compliment, but not for him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, great to have you on this show again, mate. It's a pleasure for you to come on and uh, give, you, give you insight into... What's been going on for the Blues over the last last week or so? And uh, we're going to pick things up with the uh, with the West Brom game. Another three points in the bag, Andy. Obviously, important win. We're, we're looking looking to qualify for Europe. Uh, but it's probably fair to say it wasn't it wasn't uh, so much one for the neutral. No, it, it wasn't one for the neutral, and obviously we'll discuss more on, on our you know tactics and style of play a bit later. But at the end of the day, the results what matters at the moment. Everton and the team sort of in, in transition under Carlo. This is our first main season. I think as people will probably agree, we probably haven't got the horses yet to play a certain type of football. So Carlo's being economical and getting results. And yes, it, it, it is nervy, and it was obviously with the last last second disallowed goal was a bit dicey. But I think getting results is, you know, is is what Everton fans want at the end of the day, and we've got to beat those teams who are below us, and that's what we've been doing recently. So that's all we can ask for, really. I think. And we keep saying, don't we? You know, we after winning the the Merseyside derby, uh, we said obviously it's it's no good winning there, not beating Southampton. 
which we did. It's no good beating Southampton, not going to West Brom and, and beating them, which we did. So we, we can see now there's certainly a progression there in in getting results over the line, whether it's winning ugly or not. And like you said, you know, fo- football is a is a is a results game. But um, Lee, what what did you think about the game? You know, it wasn't like I said then. It wasn't wasn't great for for the neutral. It was a bit nervy at times, like Andy said, especially with that that late that late goal being offside by by half a hair. Um, but like Andy said, all about getting the win, especially this time of the season. Yeah, yeah, we just do everything you can to get that victory, isn't it? I mean, it, it wasn't a game for the neutral. How many times have we said that the last few weeks? Um, you know, a lot of games seem to be sort of petering out, don't they? Um, I think a combination of obviously no fans, uh, which can lift teams when you know maybe they're struggling or you know lacking that little bit of energy. Also, I think it, just in general, you know, the intense schedule that players are having to play, you're starting to see more injuries being picked up. And, and that's reflecting in the games. You know, there's not many not many games being won by more than one or two goals, isn't there? So, um, yeah, mate, take the points. Um, I mean, I, I don't know about you boys, but I, I'm finding it like really quite stressful to watch on TV. It never seems quite stressful when you're at the game. Obviously, we've been at games and you kind of think, "How the hell are we losing this?" Or, but and, and obviously, you know, it can get you, it can get you bothered. But like on the TV, it seems like really tough to watch, doesn't it? You know, especially the way we're seeing out these games now. And obviously, Pickford made a great save. In the last minute last week against Southampton, then we've had this one where Dean Garner's put it in the top bin. You're thinking, "Oh my God, you're joking!" And then obviously VAR's come to our rescue. But um, I don't know about you boys; it's quite it's quite tough to watch, isn't it? The old ticker's getting uh, getting up to 80, 90 beats a minute in these last few minutes. I think it's I think it's difficult. I mean, most people are saying similar, aren't they? In regards to watching the footy on the telly is is a much more difficult experience. Uh, Liverpool fans will be used to used to that obviously um, over the years, but we won't, won't, won't discuss that. But yeah, you, you certainly are a little bit more relaxed at the game. That's that's for sure. And uh, so we, we look forward to getting back inside Goodison Park in, in the very near future. It looks like uh, they're going to try and shift the games into the 36th and 37th games so we can get get more fans in to more games, which is great. You know, fantastic. To, you know, get let's get 10,000 people in. Um, but. Yeah, you're right. It is it is stressful at the moment, and we are a little bit on edge. And you know, we we seem to get ahead of times, don't we? Same against West Brom, and, and almost it's a bit of the attitude of what 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 we have, we hold. And we we we. I mean, Carlo Carlo certainly trusts our back four, doesn't he? He said it after the game about how well defensively we we, we are doing. Um, but it doesn't make it any easier to watch. That's for sure. But please, I'll, I'll bring you bring you in there. What what are your what are your thoughts on? On the games recently, and I'm more so West Brom. Are you, are you nervy watching the games, or are you finding yourself sort of quite settled once we get the, uh, that one goal in front? I think, like um, like Lee said, I think teams are, are feeling the pace of the fixtures. I think if you look at the day before, United nil nil, Sheffield United one nil, the Leicester Burnley game one one. I think players are finding it really tough, and I, I guess a lot of the teams are really struggling with injuries. It's nice, I, I think, to be at this stage of the season as an Evertonian and have stuff to look forward to, stuff to play for. I think that's probably the the discomfort we're all feeling watching the games, knowing how much is it is at stake and how tight the table is. You know, you lose two games, you can find yourself in ninth. You know, you win two, you can find yourself in second. So, it's um, yeah, t- tough, uh, tough watch, but you don't mind if you're winning and you're getting them over the line. It almost feels if you're at the ground, you can you can kind of like influence it a little bit more. 
you know what I mean? Because obviously, let's say, you know, we've had loads of games over the years where you're kind of like 1-0 down to the team you should be beating. But the crowd can almost like suck a goal in is the phrase, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, give that team, give the team an extra 10% or whatever it is. So it does feel weird. And I think, you know, as players, not just in football, but in other sports, you know, I was listening to, um, you know, complete side topic, but listening to Rory talking the other day about golf and saying now the fans are back in that. It suddenly lifted all the players. And, it, you know, it does. And at the end of the day, it's an entertainment business. You know, some players, you know, perform to a crowd, don't they? Some players like to have that, look, 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 look how good I am. I want to show everyone how good I am and things like that. And other players obviously don't mind it as much. But I think some players need the crowd in order to get to their level. Um, and I think, you know, we're certainly seeing that now because it's pretty much been, when was the last time we had fans in? Was it November, December? Was it around the Chelsea in December, wasn't it? Yeah, December. So, you know, no, no, it's quite, it's quite a while. Yeah, United in the Cup. So, you know, it's been a good, say, three months, hasn't it, really? Um, so, in that respect, I think the players, you noticed it when we had that, when we did have them at home for those few games. You know, we had a couple of good results, didn't we? So, it, it does show it makes a difference. And that was only how many fans, was it? Two or three Two thousand, thousand or something? Thousands, yeah, yeah. So, can you imagine what it's, it's going to be like when they have a full house? It's, it's yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a massive not not so much a shock because they've all played in front of in front of fans, but I think that first game back, going from say ten thousand to say forty thousand, whatever whatever it might be, that big jump up in numbers, it's going to be noticeably uh, different for, for the for the players. I mean, I can you imagine the, the noise inside Goodison Park and that first game where we're all back in. Um, the, the fans have waited so long for that, but you'll see. You know, we, we discussed this haven't we, in the past about. Our way record is so good this season, and you know a lot of teams' home records are so poor, ours included. And you wonder whether it would still be that way if the influence of fans was was evidence. And you know you, you could argue, I'm, I'm sure, both sides. But um, we'll see. Hopefully next season we, we see a bit a bit of normality. Um, but I mean, whether or not fans would have made a difference to to the West Brom performance on uh, on Thursday is is a different matter. But the good thing again, the positive thing again for us, for me, Andy, is is uh, is having Richie Arson back on the score sheet, which is which is fantastic to see him scoring regularly. He looks hungry again, um, and and he looks back to, to to doing what he what he did best last season. Yeah, I think that's that's the big key for Everton. Obviously, Dominic Carvalho was taking the bulk of the goal scoring duties early in the season, and now we've got a bit more balance, I guess, with Richarlison finding his confidence again. Obviously, getting them closer to goal is important. I still think he can play wide. I think I know people obviously based on the last couple of games tend to say, "Oh, he's definitely better up front." But we've seen him do well wide before as well. And I think it's just about how you position and how you use him in that position. I think obviously he's got to cover the full back a lot of the time, which means you know if you watch other teams, maybe a team that's lots of six straight home games across the park, they used to, <clears throat> they used to obviously not a lot. They defended they forwards didn't have to cover as much because the midfielders did the job. And I think if Everton did that, Richarlison would be more useful wire, but as we're getting to in the tactics in a minute, that's not quite possible currently. But no, it is. It's a massive boon of these back score. And I think that pace and that in behind and that ability to make those runs, which is not something Don really has. So it gives us a bit of difference up front, which means obviously defenders can't get used to a certain way of playing, which makes us more dangerous, I think. Yeah, Carl- Carlo alluded to that, didn't he? He said that he made a slight switch in terms of giving him less defensive duties to try and, you know, get him a little bit more central. And you've certainly noticed that Dom's pushed out a little bit to the right. Um, and, he re- and he referred to that as well, didn't he? Little little tactical changes. Um, so it is interesting. And, and to be fair as well, you just you said what you, you just said there, Andy, didn't he? he said they, those two guys are completely different players. They give us different characteristics, different problems for defences. Um, and I think, 
I think you know that that's a sign of things to come as we improve as a team, not just this season but next season. I think you know those two could be a handful. I mean, they're already a handful in some ways anyway. But we are quite defensive at the minute. We're not creating a load of chances. But I think when we start, hopefully, you know, opening up a bit with some some better players behind them uh, next season, um, I think we'll start to see that 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 partnership flourish. I think even more. Yeah, of course. And like like you said before, Andy, you know, we 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 talk about the weight of expectation and and the weight of uh, you know. Dominic Cavalier having to score week in, week out to, to keep us ticking over because Richarlison, you know, did, didn't have a great sort of first half of the season. He, he scored quite a few in the cup, didn't he? But and we saw we thought you see a few moments from him. But I've always preferred him in, in, in that middle. And I think we saw we saw the best of Richardson last season when he was playing in a in a two off front with, with Dominic Calvert Lewin. And if we can accommodate that, then it'll work, it'll work in our favour in the long run. But you know, he's he's one of those players, Richards, and he can he can almost sort of do nothing in front of goal for sort of eighty five minutes. But you know, he's the one player for me who you, who you want on the spot in front of goal, and he'll stick it away. And we were talking about Dominic Calvert Lewin, fantastic season this season, of course. You know, I've had a chance in the first half against West Brom where he's he's pretty much dead centre, and and he's he's rushed things a little bit there. As, as, what what do you think about that, Pete? In terms of do you think Calvert Lewin should have done better with that? Do you think it was an instinct thing? Do you think panic maybe? What 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 are your thoughts on that? Should have scored. Should have scored. Yeah, and he and he'll know that, and he'll be disappointed. And again, you wonder with Don whether because he had such a prolific start to the season, whether he's putting quite a lot of pressure on himself if he goes a little bit without, um, you know, so bit being on the score sheet. Sometimes he just seems desperate to get the goal, and then once he scored, he almost settles down a little bit. And become sort of more patient, um, and sort of you know plays the right pass or the right shot. Right shot there is just to the side of the keeper, side foot, keep it low. Um, but yeah, he just he almost seems to snatch it a bit. You don't know whether he's trying to knock it under the keeper, but um, yeah, it wasn't the best finish. But in terms of a Charleston, I, th- I think his greatest asset for me is his aggression. He's so aggressive. In the box, and it was such of a Charleston goal. I think the header. You know, I think in uh, Allardyce's comments, he said, uh, you know, that goal was just about the Charleston make, making the ball his, and it was probably the the one element of Allardyce's post match comments I agreed with really. <laughs> I, will, I will just say about Don that would have been the fair, the goal that would have been fair. He'd, he'd scored furthest out this season. He has scored mostly goals within twelve within the twelve yards area. I think, think that's the biggest biggest next improvement for Dom is being able to score those other types of goals. I think he's a great predator in the box. It's outside the width of the post. It's being able to beat a man and create an angle for a shot, which is where his next evolution needs to come. I totally agree with that. I totally agree. I think that's that's where if he wants to be a top level striker, he needs yeah, he needs to sort of improve that side of his game and his left foot as well. He's not quite prolific on his left. He's looking to try and get it on his right. I think he did the right thing. If you look at it, he's trying to let it run across his body because it's come to him fortuitously. So he's got to make a quick decision. And he's trying to let it run onto his right foot. And he looks like he's trying to open his body up to slot it. But then I think he sees the defender and then almost semi-panics and kind of, you know, almost like scuffs it into the ground, doesn't he? Um, I, th- I think the problem with Dom is sometimes he, he, he just aims to get it on target rather than trying to you know, sweetly caress it into the corner. I, I, I don't know if that, that's just something that with the pressure that's come over being Everton's number one strike over the last couple of years. I don't think he's got that that that, that technique that where he can just caress it into a corner yet. It's a, obviously, he arrives on a lot of you know, crosses, which is his main source of goals. But I think that's, as, as I said before, the main evolution he needs to do. It's just that, that next level of striker, of striker that he needs to be. 
Yeah, I said to you, Mike, didn't I? I said if as soon as he opens his body up there, we were talking about it on the phone, and um, you know, and he sees the defender and goes, obviously, like I said, he semi-panicked and scuffed it. Yeah, you know, a top-level striker, they're saying Aguero or someone would have seen the defender there. Instead of shooting and thinking it might get blocked, he would have probably just done a little shimmy on the outside of the defender and just put dinked it over the keeper or something. You know, just what you know, almost trying to say like complete comp- composure, a top-level striker there. Obviously, he's still only young; he's got time to develop. But um, you know, I was looking at Lewandowski's finishes the other day. You know, what I mean, I know he's obviously a lot more of a mature player, but you know, um, if I was Dom, you want to look at someone like him because they have got quite similar characteristics. I would say, obviously, you know, Lewandowski's got a ridiculous touch and is 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 an outstanding footballer. Dom's probably got more pace on him, but their stature is quite similar, isn't it? And you know, good in the air. Um, so I think, yeah, for me, that that definitely is sort of the next level. If he wants to get to 20, 20 league goals plus. Um, that that's where he needs to improve 100%. The thing is, though, we, we've discussed Calvert-Lewin at great length over the last the last couple of years uh, since we kicked the, the podcast off. And the, I think there, there's been questions raised at him at times whether he's a, a natural finisher, whether he, he, can, he can be converted into a striker, uh, whether he's got the instinct to be a striker. But if you look at his developments over the last sort of 12, 14 months or so, it, it, it's, there's been a huge improvement there in terms of where he, where he was to where he is now. So, I think that that more, like you say, Andy, that that, that technique of caressing the balls in the bottom corner and and those different kind of finishes that will come. We, we we've seen he's got the the mind to develop and he's all he's got all the the uh, attributes as well physically. I think to develop into a, into a top top level striker. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see a few a few suitors knocking on our, on our door over the course of the summer, testing the water when it comes to Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, but we'll see. You know, obviously, our aim is to keep our best players, of course, and develop into a into a better side. And I'm sure, you know, we will be going anywhere. But he, he will certainly have a lot of lot of teams looking at him. And um, you know, he's 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 a he's a typical sort of quality modern striker who's only going to improve over the next few years as well, which is which is great for us. Um, but but br- briefly briefly back to the game. One thing I want I want to pick up on again mentioned um, this man, the Merseyside Derby, the Southampton game, and it's Jordan Pickford. And the reason why I want to bring it up is the save he made early on uh, from the Agne, the header, the looping header, has caused a little bit of, uh, not controversy, but discussion on our Twitter feed. I, I put it out there as as goalkeeper filth. I thought it was a fantastic save. I'll be perfectly honest. I thought he's done exceptionally well. But whether people want to believe that he's anticipated it uh, a harder header, so he, he's gone a little bit uh, harder and quicker himself, anticipating something different, and he's made an adjustment midair. Whatever you want to believe, it's a very, very good save. There's no such thing as a wrong hand. Um, and Neville got involved with the, with the discussion, actually. Uh, someone brought him in and asked him, and he said, you know, what do you want him to, he's, he's doing what he's getting paid for. If he saves it with his ass, who cares what it, how, what, how he saves it? You know, and it's, and it's, it's perfectly put, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter what he saves it with. It's a good save. You know, it would have been a poor star from ourselves to concede, you know, so soft so early. Um, but but what do you think, Andy, about, about Jordan Pickford in, in terms of the last three games especially have coincided with us not conceding, his upturning form, I'm on about, has coincided with us not conceding. We, we look pretty solid at the back and he looks a bit more switched on, doesn't he? Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's a couple of factors. I think obviously he, he looks a bit more switched on. Don't be wrong. I, I've still got my doubts over over Pickford, and, but I, you know you can't deny that he's played best over these last you know three or four games. I think I think the the issues collecting crosses is, is, is still there. I think he dropped I mean, drop one again in the last minute, but 
by the by. Yes, I will, I will agree, correct. It was a good save. And at the end of the day, goalkeepers, where they save with the back of the heel, diving the wrong way, whatever, it's, it's a save at the end of the day. What I will say is about that, with that save, I do understand people's criticism of the technique. Yes, he did. It was a, it was typical Jordan Pickford in the sense that the anticipation probably wasn't quite right, but at the end of the day, he still kept it out with a great reaction save. So, wherever you are, I'm not where you look at it. The result is he made a great save. That's that's the be all and end all. I think, I think for him, it's just keep 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 being solid. I think what Evan have done well, and this is we'll get into this more in the tactics, but I think they've limited the the quality of shot that he's facing. He's not facing as many long shots, which obviously has been an issue for him over the last couple of seasons. We're keeping teams out pretty well, which I think allows him then to, re- to to reset much better. I think they talked about you know they talked about his water bottle being a way to reset his mind. He takes a sip of his water bottle and resets, and I think I think that's key to him. I think obviously Everton you know will maybe look at signing a goalkeeper, whether that's Robert Olsen as a, on a permanent. I don't think they'll sign a number one goalkeeper. I think Pickford's contract. I think that you know and. His current form make make them think we'll, get, we'll see how it goes for another season. But then it's all to play for, really, for Pickford. He needs to become a more solid goalkeeper overall. And I think if he, just, if he can keep this form up over the last couple of games, I think he'll be fine you know, going towards the summer. Yeah, I, I, I think, and I, I take your point there, especially in terms of the, the uh, coming to collect crosses, corners. And yet there was a moment, wasn't there, uh, late on in that game where it, well, the, the goal was disallowed. He went to come, didn't he? And then he went back, and I, I can't sit here and fully, fully blame him for that. Sometimes you know, that wouldn't have impacted. I don't think them scoring the goal because it, I don't think that was his, his ball to claim. Even being honest, but there were still moments in that game and Southampton when it came to collecting crosses where you know he he reverted to type a little bit and looked a little bit, uh, a little bit sketchy there. But I think as we've always been pretty fair in our assessment of Jordan Pickford in terms of you know I think he's he's a he's a good shot stopper on his day. You know when he's on soft form, but the, the you know he, he's he's a very good shot stopper. He's had his moments this season when he's he, he's been getting beat from distance a bit too often. Um, but what 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 I like about it, and I I think we said it last week, for us to go to that next level, I think we have to address the goalkeeper uh, issue and bring in a top level goalkeeper because every successful side has a top quality goalkeeper in my opinion, and I'm not quite sure whether Jordan Pickford. It's quite that top top level goalkeeper, but 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 what I like is, and Carlo alluded to this to, to this last week. He said, he even said, I took him out and I've rotated him to take that pressure off him. So basically, he's he's acknowledging the fact that Jordan Pickford probably over, you know, the, the last few months, especially um, if we go back to maybe the first Merseyside derby, even when he got all that criticism, um, that he, he has struggled a little bit mentally, uh, a little bit of pressure. Being Everton number one, England number one, and it's done him the way of the good, and, and and I'm happy for him that we're seeing him more concentrated, more switched on, uh, looking looking, you know, the quality goalkeeper that he can be on his day because it's only going to benefit benefit ourselves, especially in the in the shorter term. But you know, what, what do you think, Pete? In terms of pick for the, you know, I know we discuss him quite often, and that's because you know. Quite often, the sort of discuss when it comes to the other Pickford, whether it be good, whether it be good or bad. But do you, do you think he deserves any criticism from the the West Brom game, uh, or do do you think that the save that he made, in my opinion, was a very 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 good save? No, I agree with you. I I, I thought he was excellent. I think he's been excellent for, since he's come back. Really, since he's come back into the side, and it just looked different. It just looked different. 
I think when that cross came in, I don't know if we're thinking of the same one. There was there was one in the second half that um, he sort of claimed dropped at the striker's feet and scooped back up. But what I liked about about that, if you can like anything about your keeper dropping across, was there was none of the silliness you normally get. You know, none of the tongue out the mouth, expressions for the camera. He just got on with it and he picked the right pass and his distribution seems a, a bit better. He just seems a bit more settled to me. And I think we're talking about him a lot less. And when we are talking about him, we're talking about saves he's made. Um, so, you know, he, he just mentally, to me, he doesn't seem to have come back the same player. And I think that's a good thing. Um, like you say, whether he can sort of stabilise and continue, you know, d- developing and getting better and becoming a real leader um, and a real consistent, high-quality keeper is, is sort of the killer question, really. Um, and if not... I think a lot of Evertonians will have one eye on Martinez at Aston Villa, who just seems to be the real deal. I think he's going to be keep. I think he's. Gonna, I think he's going to be a player of the season. Oh, keeper of the season. Sorry, I think he'll be in the team of the season. Definitely, I think he'll be in there. The amount of points he's won for them this season um, has been phenomenal. When you look at Arsenal getting rid of him as well, I know obviously Leno seems a decent keeper, but Martinez looks another level again. Um, we've talked about him before. The fact he sat on that bench for so long. And 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 didn't, you know and didn't even get a game frightening, but good keepers win your points. And Jordan's been winning his points the last few games. You know I think I, I think you've got to give credit to the manager here. I think he's handled it really really well as well. He's brought him in and out the time in and out the team. Um, not necessarily like you know like a, a knee jerk reaction either. You know he's he's not hooked him out straight after he's made a mistake. He's let him play again, maybe play again, and then he's obviously brought Olsen in when you least expect it. Um, obviously he said he had a niggling injury the other day I, I don't be surprised if there was no injury at all maybe he was just leaving him out giving him a break maybe during that time as Andy referred to as well he's been reported to seeing a sports psychologist you know so you know again just clever man management from Carlo he's been there seen it done it isn't he you know he's, he's probably dealt with keeper keeper situations in the past where they're getting battered by the press um, you know Jordan's getting battered from every angle isn't he if he makes a mistake because obviously the profile he's got as the England keeper but you know, you've got to give credit where it's due. He's stepped up since he's come back. Um, not only has he made, you know, some crucial saves for us, but like Pete said, I think, you know, his, his passing has been a lot better. His distribution at the back, he's been, you know, clipping passes out to Luca Dean quite a bit. Um, you know, and they're accurate as well. And that's one of the biggest, what's one of his biggest strengths. Um, so hopefully, look, you know, we may not need to address that situation in the summer. It'll certainly save us a few million quid if we don't. Yeah, correct, correct. Um, I, I, I always thought, as I say, going into this summer that we would, we would have to, like, like Andy's alluded to, like he said, Lee, with, with his, his upturn in form, maybe they will look elsewhere and, and to put the money somewhere else for this summer and see how things go next season. But one, one thing I think which, which leads us nicely into talking about the tactical side and the reason that I bring this up because we, we discussed a bit about tactics last, last week uh, when we had Garrett on the show. And the reason that I bring this up, this is about because I've seen things quite often in the last, say, seven to ten days where they mention about playing uh, with sustainable tactics and, and can we sustain this this way of playing over maybe a bit more of a medium long term period of time and be successful. And Andy, that's where I want, I want to bring you in, because you mentioned there about Bickford, you know, not facing, say, big chances or difficult shots. And there's reasons behind that. That's how we're playing at the moment, the way that we're setting up. Do you see this as a longer-term thing? Do you think it's just because of the fact of the, the personnel we've got? What, what are your thoughts on it? 
So <clears throat> I'll try and be succinct there because I've probably got a lot of thoughts on it. But in, we'll look at it like this: Carlo is doing something that other Everton managers were unable to do, and that is be humble, or maybe you know understanding about the situation Everton in. We haven't probably got the players to play a high line, passing really expansively, breaking teams down all over the pitch. We just, we just haven't got them type of players currently. We've got a couple. James Rodriguez obviously being one of them. The, the, the keys really are, I think, if you look at the, the defenders, obviously Mason Holgate and um, Ben Godfrey can obviously quick players can play in the high back line. But then your other two defenders who are probably your best two defenders in terms of experience and solidity, obviously Michael Keane and Yeri Mina probably would struggle more on a high line. So I, I think that's what Carlos looked at the start of the season when we were more expansive and we were scoring a lot of goals. We can see the two again. What he's looked at now with the team, obviously Alan being his house as well, and he was shutting the door in front of the defence. We've had to become a bit more economical, you know, play a bit more of a low block. I know people don't like that phrase. But all it means, basically, is you play a bit narrower, you force teams to cross more. And when you've got players like Yeri Mina, Michael Keane, Ben Godfrey, you can head the ball away. It's sort of forcing teams into a style of play. Obviously, against Liverpool, teams have had success doing that all season. We obviously did the best of most, beating them 2-0. So I think I think it's sustainable for now. The only issue I have is at the other end. I think we can keep playing teams out. The issue is at the other end because we're at the moment, if you look at Everton, the Everton scoring levels and shots on targets, they're an outlier in the league currently. We are we have the most the highest conversion rate of goals, the chances to goals. We also have the highest percentage of shots on targets. If that starts to fall off to not more, you know, average above average numbers, we're going to start drawing and losing games. That, that that's where the unsustainability part comes in. We're fairly clinical this season. Now, people would say to me, Liverpool were clinical for two years. Yes, they were. I think Liverpool, let's be honest, overall, not this season, had more quality than they and currently have in the squad, but it's not working this season forever. So I think I'd like to see us create a few more chances so we could balance out that balance out that level. But I think in terms of defending that it is sustainable. I just think if we want to be better in attack, eventually the line's going to have to be higher. And the build up play for out from the back is going to need to be better, but you need better players for that and more athletes around the, around the pitch to do that. So I think we're in a transition at the moment. What Carlo's doing is he's prioritising results over style, which I don't think Marco Silva could ever do or Roberto Martinez. And that's why we're doing much better. I think I think that's where Carlo's you know pragmatism comes in and he's a clever manager. And I think he's choosing the right path for Everton currently. I just like to see us create a few more chances. If I'm honest, I think that's absolutely bang on. Bang on. No, that's really good, mate. I, I think that's bang on. I think we are an outlier on that chart, aren't we, by quite a distance as well. Um, and we are quite lethal on set pieces. Set pieces mm. have been really important to us. I think massive kudos to David Ancelotti, who seems to be the guy that obviously, you know, uh, is, is involved in that, certainly in the defensive side and, and the attacking side. Um, we've got some big lads there who are good in the air. Um but yeah, it's, it's, I think style over substance is the big question, isn't it? I think you look, look at Liverpool now. I mean, since they, since they've lost the pace at the back, they've not been able to compress teams as much. And and as a result, you know, they would they would leave Van Dijk one v one, wouldn't they? Um, you know what I mean? And that's because they had pace at the back. Um, now, credits where you know Carlo, as I said, we've said it before, he's been around the block. You know, the guy's managing diff- you know in all the major leagues in in Europe. Um, he knows how to get results and. Dare I say it, Mike? We've we've had a chat about this privately as well. It's like typically Italian, isn't it? You know, what I mean, why why win five two when you can win one nil, still get three points? Um, you just got to hope. We've got to hope that we just we just see it out enough between now and the end of the season. Um, because our goal difference, if you look at our goal difference compared to the peers around us, 
we're quite way off. So it might even come down to that as well, isn't it? I think what we on plus five or six. I think the average mm -hmm. is, is double figures around, as most people are on double figures, aren't they? Um, so let's hope it doesn't come down to that. Um, and also on a side note, let's hope bloody Arsenal Tottenham don't win the Europa League either. <laughs> that would be typical Everton, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, put a spanner in the works, wouldn't it? Um, let's, let, let's hope not. But Pete, what, what do you think about the tactical side of things in terms of, I mean, we discussed before about, about matches being that bit more stressful at the moment when it comes to comes to watching everything, whether it's because we're not at the ground or what have you. Do, do you think the fact that because we play this way at the moment and, and Carlo is a bit more pragmatic in terms of how he, how he sets things up um, and, you know, could argue sort of how, how, defensive, how defensive we actually are, do, does that sort of uh, eat into why we're maybe a bit more stressful watching the game? Do we need to have a bit more trust in the players like, like Carlo has? Maybe, but at the same time, for me, not so much. I mean, I mean, on the podcast, I think we've long said, haven't we, that our our favourite sort of aspect of Carlo is is adaptability. That he he changes it up if it's not working, he you know he he does something about it. He's not sort of stubborn or steadfast in having like a one system of playing that other teams can work out. We can be unpredictable. There's been times this season where we've looked at the team sheet and we've gone, "What's the shape here?" What's the shape? What's the lineup? We don't know. Is it, you know, is it a diamond? Look at the team against Liverpool. You know, so again, again, that's adaptability, isn't it? So he's 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 setting us up, depending on who we're who we're playing, and you you probably say we perform better and maybe got better results against the better teams, and often it's the other way around for us. Seems to be against the teams that, um, like Andy said, you know, you like I don't know Burnley, Fulham, Southampton, Newcastle. I know we beat Southampton the other day. Um, West Brom, we, we arguably not made hard work of it, but it could have gone either way, couldn't it, for a long time. These are the teams now that we're not struggling to beat, but you're probably feeling a bit more nervous about it than if you're playing a team that's going to attack you because you know that we've got pace, you know, we've got faith in our defenders. Um, so for me, it's, it's a short-term solution. And I, I mean, I, I don't know how many episodes of the podcast I've gone back to the Spurs game. I, honestly, I've watched that game so many times because the football was so good. It was so good. Mm. That's the future, isn't it? That's the future. Get, you know, do the best we can this season. Get to the transfer window. Bring in another one or two key signings that can fit into that sort of system. And hopefully it's more of that to come. And hopefully next season, that's the, the style of football we're playing more often. And, yeah, we've yeah, seen. We've I, seen. I, yeah, I think Carlo's just been super. He knows how. No, it's 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 shrewd man management and it's shrewd tactics as well, isn't it? We've seen little glimmers, haven't we? We've seen little glimmers of kind of how he almost wants us to play. Maybe that Spurs game was an example a little bit. Um, it's just getting that balance right, isn't it? Like Andy said before, when we have opened up, you know, even teams like West Brom have put two pastors and things like that, even though we scored five that day. Um, and better teams. Let's say, for example, we were playing Chelsea, obviously on Monday. Let's say we just went right. Okay, let, let's open up. You let's go toe to toe with you. Now we'd get absolutely obliterated, wouldn't we? Because the, the talent they've got, not just on the pitch but on the bench, you know. Um, so you know, Carlo understands. Look, we're going to have to go there and be solid, be resolute. Even if we get a nil nil, let's take it. Cause it stops them from getting, you know, a further, a further. Uh, well, making it a six point game, really, if you like. Um, so yeah. He know he knows his players now. He knows his team, um, and he knows that you know with the players he has available, that's the best way to win games at the minute. The downside is when you do play against teams that aren't 
as, as good on the ball as you, as you say, as Peach just reeled off a few there. It makes it harder to watch. You can almost take it against a City, against you know a Chelsea or, or anything like that, because obviously that's how we've been playing against them for a long time because they've obviously got better players. But when you're playing against teams that you just think, oh, hang on a minute, Carlo, go on, take, take the handbrake off here. We, we can score two or three here. But then obviously it's, football isn't like that, is it? Because obviously you know, the, the Tottenham game was a prime example of it. It was a cup game. He went, right, OK, let's have a go. Tottenham, ironically, and the Mourinho are quite pragmatic. They opened up as well. And it ended up being a 5-4 classic, didn't it? Which was equally stressful to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think I, I don't think I've enjoyed a game from a sort of stress point of view for, for quite a while. You know, we, probably going back to the early parts of the season where, you know, the, like to the West Brom game, you know, the, the 5-2. Um, I watched that back the other, the other day before we played them again. And, you know, some of the, the was on show there were absolutely fantastic. And it was, it was good to, to go back and, and look at that. But then you look at the... That the progression that we've made almost, I know obviously you said we're not, not quite as expansive, of course, we're not, but you know, I'm, I'm more than happy than keeping three clean sheets on the spin when we couldn't buy a clean sheet, you know, for, for many, many games. So, um, it, it, is a, it is a stressful thing, but I think the thing the difference now is, 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 the, is the trust that a lot of people have in the manager because you know, we, we don't need to sit here and nail off his, his achievements in football. As a manager and as a player, Carlo Ancelotti, but there's this complete trust there throughout the fan base. You're thinking, I've given up second guessing his side. I try and put out a, a, try and guess his side every single week, and I, I think the I think I tend to get about eight out of eleven. And even then, the formation's totally wrong, and, and he does something totally different. And even when I see the team when it's released, like Pete said, I still can't work out what formation we're going to be playing because it's different in attack and defence and and things like that. But it's it's certainly interesting. Yeah, I think I think that's what he wants, though. <laughs> he wants to other yeah, teams to yeah. think like that because you look at Carlo's been very economical with the information he's given out. You know, I remember I think the two players. I remember Wobi was one of them. Missed a game early in the season. And fans were like, oh, he must think he's he's out know, the team, but actually he was injured. He just didn't inform you that he just didn't inform the press and essentially <laughs> the other team because he wants to keep teams guessing, which is smart, really. You know, don't be wrong. I think it's frustrating when players miss games and the fans are like, well, where are they all? But You've just got to trust that he's trying to he's trying to build something here. And I think it's it's quite clever the way he does that. I find it frustrating because I'm trying to get obviously like yourself. I'm trying to guess because we put it out in like number order and the teams all over the place and you don't have a clue where. But like the other night, you know, you could have guessed on four or five different formations and it turned out that Awobi was in possession, a, a right winger, but out of possession, a wing back. Well, in actual case, he didn't do anything. But either, either or, but you know, I, th- I think that's it's good for you know when we're playing teams, they don't understand what's going to happen, so they can't set up for a certain way of playing. Yeah, look how cute he was with Seamus Coleman against against Liverpool. You know, so in other words, like Robertson, we see you as the biggest threat down that side. You know, we're whipping in crosses. So right, Seamus, right out of possession, you're just going to man mark this guy, and you're going to stop him getting in, and then Holgate, look, you shuffle across and take out Marnie, and you know, as a result. I can't even remember a cross that Robertson put in in the game. So you know, there's little, little, little just little cute, cute little nuances that he does. You know, that that Klopp may not have been expecting. Obviously, Liverpool adjusted to it, didn't they? Second half, and they caused a few more problems. But the point is, is that you know, again, he's got a little one-upmanship on him there by doing that, and and that's what Carlo gives you, isn't it? What I'd also quickly say is, I think look at the schedule. That's Everton are currently playing every three or four days, and. It's very hard to go on the training ground a week for a whole week before the game and get them to play a really expansive way. I think he's what he understands is he has to work on little small tactical adjustments each game because he hasn't got time to implement wider ones. So I think it's clever the way he's doing it currently. 
It was really interesting, mate. Have you seen, have you guys seen the uh, chat between Holgate and Godfrey with Rio Ferdinand mm-hmm. recently? You guys yeah. watch it? Do you see it, Pete? No. Yeah, I have to send it over to you. It's a really interesting chat because obviously I know Rio looks after them, doesn't he, in terms of his sports management company and. They were just chatting about um, about Carlo and obviously about Everton in general and that. But one of the things they did say is that the gaffer, i.e. Carlo, just likes to keep it as simple as possible. And he's known for doing that, isn't he? Look, football can be a complicated game, but he, mm. you know he's just like, look, it's a simple game at the end of the day. And I think that's that, that just alludes to your point there, Andy, actually. He's, he's kind of thinking, as he, well, look, we, have, we haven't got hardly any time to prepare in between matches. Let's just make the tactics as simple as possible. You know, a few things are better than a load of things, and then let let's just see if the players can implement it. Um, and obviously, some players are more tactically uh, intelligent than others, um, which probably explains why why Sigurdsson plays every week as well, because they alluded to that as well, Pete. Actually, they said um, uh, you want to see Gilfie in training. They actually said that. He said he's just literally like the fittest guy in training by a mile, and his, his professionalism is, is 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 second to none, which obviously explains for a lot of fans. Who've been jumping on his back for a long time? That um, you know why he gets picked every week. But credit to Gilfie as well, by the way. It's, while we're talking about that, it's worth mentioning he's, you know, he's he's been excellent the last few weeks, hasn't he? And he's he's, he's laid on the two winners in the last two in the last uh, couple of games, hasn't he? So credit where it's due. It's a squad game, you know. If you if you back up number tens, providing the winning, you know, the winning cross, the winning pass, that's all you can ask for, really. At the, at the end of the day, the we're wrong. I know Everton fans not the biggest fans of Gilfie Sigurdsson, but. He's done well this season. I've been a massive critic, massively critical of him, but long may I continue. I think, I think his numbers speak volumes this season. I, I mentioned, uh, I think, about two weeks ago in terms of his, his, his upturn in, in numbers, and I think it's six goals, nine assists this season. We were crying out for goals and assists from over the last the last couple of years. And You know, I, you know, he's one of those players. He's Marmite, isn't he? He'll be Sigurds, and I think some, some rave about him. Superstato obviously raves about him um, on, on Twitter. <laughs> Um, but other, other other people do, you know, people who've, who've seen him over the years, and I think a lot of pundits I think think that Gilfie Sigurdsson is a very very technically good good player, player, and offers yeah, of course. And obviously we watch him week in week out, and and he frustrates me. I always say when he throws that tackling when the ball's gone past him, but he still goes onto the floors if you really try to get there. But it was no, we had absolutely no chance, you know, that that kind of thing. But when you see him, you know, um, do what he's done in recent weeks especially, and get on the score sheets, you know, not just score penalties, but score good goals that, 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 he's, that he's scored this season, the Leeds goal, Sheffield United, you know, the assist for Richardson, I thought was a, was a lovely ball, um, obviously a great, and, and I'm talking about the, the Southampton game, sorry, and then the cross for, the, for Richardson again against against West Brom. Like you say, Andy, if you, you've got your, your backup number 10, so to speak, doing that and, and getting good numbers, then great, Carlo trusts him. He's, he's one of his, his most trusted players. It's, it's clear to see that, um, and his numbers speak for themselves. So it, it, that that for me is another positive indication about how much the players want to work for this manager, and and the, they are putting a lot in. And like you said, Lee, on that interview with with Mason Holgate and Ben Godfrey, they alluded to the fact that he's the one who works on on things as well after training, and you know, and he's certainly a good a good technician. We just want to see see more. More of it from Gilfie, of course we do. But his, his numbers are good for, for this season. But but there's, room, on, there's rumors on that note, Mike. There's rumors that he's going to get a new contract, isn't there? And if, if he is going to get one, now's the bloody time to give him one. While the fans <laughs> are kind of kind of uh, yeah, pump, him pump the pump the brakes. <laughs> Obviously, now would be the time in the fans' eyes. Yeah. The, I yeah. find that you know the fan base is very reactive. Everything's very recent. 
that's just how it goes. There's no force, so we don't have to. You know, Everton shouldn't have to be forced themselves to give a new contract. For, to be honest with that, the way I've discussed this with a number of people, I think yes, probably you know maybe just give him another year. But what I would do is give it on reduced terms because he is going to be a backup player. I don't think we should play him, pay him as if he's going to be a starter anymore. I think you've got to Everton needs to be smart and a bit more ruthless in that manner. We'll see, but I think he's done well recently. If he can keep that up, then yeah, he'll deserve a new contract. But we need to see it for you know a whole season rather than fits and starts. I think. On that note, Andy, actually, I want to speak to you as well about um, Josh King. What do you boys think? Is it... I know Carlos keeps on saying, doesn't he? Look, he's, he's, he's getting fit. He's getting up to the fitness of the squad, up to speed. But I mean, like, what did he get the other night? Two minutes. You know what I mean? So I mean, maybe does not like the look of him. Possibly, it's hard to say, isn't it? I, I think I went over this before. I think we spoke about the January transfer window. It's players coming either you know raise a play or they don't come into play. I think he, what happened that you know he did the classic. You know I wasn't fit to start the season. Give you a move. It didn't work out. He was trying to play himself into fitness. It didn't work at Bournemouth. He's coming in. And you can see he's a bit slimmer now than when he you know than when he came in, first came into Everton. I think it's about in the manager's trust really. And I think. With the two strikers we've got now, how hard they work. I think maybe Josh has to, you know, sort of get to that level. And you know, I think, I think he'll end up staying. To be honest with you, I, I don't think Everton have got the money to go out and buy two forwards or wingers, whatever, in the summer. So I think Josh already being on the books. I think he'll be signed as the backup striker. I think on a on a new deal. You know, whether that's right or not, we'll see how it goes. But I think next season he might make more of an impact than this. If he stays, where do you think that would? We think that we're going to we're going to look to improve that, and you know we're talking about the way we play now. We, we play this way because of personnel, and we can't play a particularly high line because we shift goals, and we've seen that already this season. Where do you think we're going to concentrate our uh, our money in the summer? I, th- I think the th- the three priorities. I think the, the, I think this is you know the idea from the club as well is that it's right back, which obviously Max Aaron's have been heavily linked with uh, centre midfield. I'm not now. I'm not too sure if they want to. A more, you know, a more, more another passing type of centre midfielder or a defensive midfielder because obviously we haven't seen Gabamin yet. I think you know he's, he's still working his way back to fitness. Or we want another destroyer like a Decore, like an answer so we give us you know that those athletes in midfield. Obviously, the Fabian Duff transfer hasn't worked out as well as we'd like to turn. And you know Gabamin's injury. Tom obviously is getting to form now. You know Mo Bezic should be leaving. So I, th- I think a midfielder and then obviously a right, right, right winger, left winger, whichever way you want to look at someone who can score goals and create chances. I think Bernard will leave. I think Wobie will probably stay another year. He, again, has to be more consistent. I think the issue from Everton is you see flashes of good play, just not showing as much as he did in that last season at Arsenal. And if he doesn't show it more consistently, then he, he won't play and he won't be, he'll be, he'll be shipped out. And that's just the way it has to be. I think that's a good thing for Everton, though. I think we need to, we're, we're getting these high standards now where players have to be better, otherwise they know they'll be replaced in the summer. And, and I think So them three positions, I think... A goalkeeper will be signed as well, whether that's Robin Olsen or maybe a free transfer. I know Everton have been linked with Rui Silva, the Granada keeper, who's a pretty good goalkeeper. So, yeah, I think I think that they'll be the three or four positions. Yeah, I, 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 another window that I'm, I'm looking forward to because it's another step closer to Carlo getting to the squad that he wants, mm-hmm. and I know he's obviously getting even more of, it, of an identity. So that, that's certainly going to be going to be quite an exciting window for me. Um, but let's 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 look forward if we can anyway to what is as as we're recording now tomorrow night uh, playing Chelsea difficult game they they've certainly turned a corner uh, since they brought in the, the the new manager look look difficult to to beat that's for sure um, and Pete this is this is a game which is going to be pivotal to our Champions League slash Europa League hopes isn't it Yeah definitely 
definitely. I think it's going to be a really, really tough game. Um, I'm a big fan of Thomas Tuchel. I really like him. Uh, and I, it's clear he's getting a tune out of Chelsea. He's gone back to that, that sort of back five system that they won the Premier League with. He's sort of slotted back in players that, you know, that have won the league, um, that have experienced. Uh, it seems like Carlo to sort of favour rotation. Um, and that seems to be getting sort of the best out of players. Um, I think it could be first goal the winner, to be honest. I think it's going to be a really, really physical game. That They're going to press us. There's not going to be much time on the ball. There's not going to be many opportunities. Um, I think it could be a one of either way. I think the difficulty is, with the whole thing as well, Lee is, like, like Andy was saying before, Carlo keeps his cards close to his chest. He did a recorded press conference after the West Brom game for the Chelsea game. And we, we don't know who we're going to have available. We're not sure whether we've got Hamez, obviously Coleman, Tom Davis. So it's going to be one of those. Again, it could be quite a, a depleted squad to, to pick from. If you look at the bench we had against, against West Brom, we were one man down. The bench, kids on there, on there again. So it's difficult to pick who, who we're going to actually see in the, uh, in the start 11. Yeah, very much so, mate. Very much so. I think um, we all know how the game's going to go. Um, you know, call it, call I do. I called it 1 0 against West Brom. Mike hasn't mentioned that yet. Um, but no, but I, and, uh, but I do. I, we all know that we're gonna, we're gonna be, we're gonna sit, drop off completely and be hard to beat. I wouldn't even be surprised if he, if he goes with a, depending if uh, um, Yeri's fit. Do we know if Yeri's fit or not? That's, I, I haven't heard anything about Yeri. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if he exists anymore, Carlos. Put him into the ether. Nothing's yeah. been said about him since he went off the team. According, according to physio, physio room, Yeri's got another couple of weeks to go with his. Okay. Right. His okay. I was going to say, if he was fit, don't be surprised if he goes back to the four centre backs across the back again and Luca Dean a bit further forward. Mm. Um, you know, that, that's certainly what, if you were to ask him now, that's what he probably would go for, I think, if, if Yeri was fit. Um, it's handled obviously be forced otherwise, but um, no, I think we'll, we'll we'll definitely try and be difficult to beat. But you know, since Tuchel's come in, he's only conceded two goals in ten games, which is which is incredible, really. I mean, it, it just makes you look, you know, what the hell was Lampard doing? Um, because he had all those players at his disposal. But Tuchel's obviously a lot more experienced than Frank. You know, he's he's, he's been in the game longer. He's managed at the top level for longer. Um, and to be fair, he's come in. He's first and foremost, he's made them hard to beat. And he knows they've got more than enough talent going forward to create chances and score goals. I thought they were very impressive against Liverpool the other day. Um, if anything, they, they you know, one nil flattered Liverpool. Really, I thought in that game it could have been two or three. Um, but yeah, it, we've just got to stay in the game here. And the key, the key for me, I mean, Tuchel referred to it himself. You know, we're playing Everton uh, after taking. You know, it's a six-point game against Liverpool. We're playing one of our other Champions League uh, rivals, Everton. That's a, another six-point game. So the key is if we can just not lose, just you know, essentially just stay in the game as long as we can and try. As I said, I'd even take a nil-nil right now if you give it me, um, and and you know just don't don't fall too far behind uh, those teams because it looks like now City United are pulling away, and it, there's, there's going to be two spots up for grabs. I mean Leicester was starting to falter and they got a jammy win, they got a jammy win uh, yesterday, didn't they? Uh, in the last minute, I thought Brighton played well against them again. Brighton just unbelievable. They can't they can't get a win for love and money. So we need to, we need to try and get something out of the game um, if we can just to stay in contention. But look, if you were to ask us all now our, our complete honest opinion, would you take the Europa League right now? Of course you would, wouldn't you? Of course you would. 
100%. And that's the step, the stepping stone to where we want to be. If we get Champions League, great, it's a bonus. If we don't, look, let's just make sure we get into Europe next year. Of course, of course. And we said this to me last week about the, that's that's the the aim of the club. Carlo has said, you know, for the whole season, Euro, European football next season is our aim. We, we, you know, Champions League football. This, if we got it this season, we'll probably be one or two seasons ahead of where. Carlo thinks that we we would be at this point, but like we said before, it's it's a it's a season um, where there's going to be there's going to be chances. There certainly is chances this season. With obviously you've got last season's champions sitting down in eighth, which is which is incredible. Um, and we've got our, you know, likes of ourselves, West Ham, Leicester, all, all pushing those those top four top four positions. So we never know, you know. But th- th- this game, Andy, it's. It's probably taken on a, a, a bit more magnitude because of the way the table looks. As things stand now, Chelsea are a point clear of ourselves. We've got um, a game in hand on them as well. So, you know, if, if we go there and, and get something, if we go there and win the game, then it's it's huge. But like Lee said, if we go there and get something and make sure we stay in and around those teams, then that wouldn't be a bad thing at all, would it? No, I, I think I looked at it before, and I think if Everton can, you know, draw, you know, draw, maybe pick a win up, off, you know, with the teams above us, around us in the remaining games, and beat the teams that are, you know, below, below ninth. I think then that will put us to you know, twenty, twenty odd points for the rest of the season, which will put us, you know, borderline Champions League, obviously in the Europa League, which is which is key. I think it's just not losing. I think this is the key for Everton. You can't lose those against those around you. You have to beat those below you. We've seen in recent week we beat those below us. We also got a good win against Liverpool, but also below us, by the way. But the, the next stage now is that Chelsea are above us. We just can't lose this game. These are the type of games in the past Everton have unfortunately lost when it's been on the line. I think obviously with no fans in stadiums, it helps the season because it makes it a bit more unpredictable the results and less pressure from the fans. Obviously the pressure's still there from off the pitch, you know. But I think yeah, I'd take a draw, as Lee said, I'd take a draw if you'd offered me it now. I think Tuchel's got them playing pretty well. Don't be wrong, I still think we can hurt them from set pieces. But I think they've got that ability, which we probably haven't got with the injuries. We've got to change it up. You know, we can bring in Giroud. You know, Terry Abraham's injured now, but the, you know they've got those different you know, different options up front, different options in wide areas. So it, it, it's going to be a difficult game. But as I say, as long as we keep the, as, as Pete said as well, if we score first, though, we were hard to break down and beat. So it, it gives us every chance. They've got a crazy good squad. I mean, mm. yeah, they're bringing on the likes of Pulisic off the bench, Zayek, people like that. I mean, you know, these these are top these are top Champions League, yeah. yeah, Champions League uh, style players. You know, arguably their weakest position is probably up front. You know what I mean? I mean, um, the, the, you know, I know Giroud. I've always late rated Giroud, but he's not world class. Werner's come in and found it difficult this season. I think he'll probably be better next season, but he's found it difficult to adjust to the, the strength and pace of the league. Abraham, I, I don't know where I sit with him really. Um, probably going to buy Haaland, aren't they? <laughs> well, probably, well. Yeah. Sit, I think I think them and City will be will, will be throwing United, money at uh, United as well, and United possibly as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they'll be throwing loads of money at that kid. Uh, he looks a top player, but Cyborg, yeah, yeah, I mean, Chelsea Chelsea have got have got a ridiculously good squad. Um, that squad should be getting Champions League football regardless. Um, and I think you know with the way they're heading at the minute, I do think they'll probably do enough. They certainly improved massively as we've said under Tuchel, but. Let's see. Let's see. We're going into a game full of confidence. Nine points out of nine. Like like Andy just said, if we can nick a goal, set piece. Um, you know, we've had some good results down there over the years. I mean, the Tim Cahill overhead come, comes to mind. Um, 
and we've you know we've we've had some great results. The famous John Terry offside when he was like five yards offside in the ninety fifth minute. <laughs> Where was VAR then? Um, that, was that, that was that same season. It happened at Bournemouth as well. Yeah, I remember it was literally last minute. Um, but no, um, you know, I think we can get something. We can get something. But then you know, to caveat that though, the positives. There's also you know, if you were to ask Carlo, his probably worst performance of the season uh, of his tenure. Sorry, probably was Chelsea away, wasn't it? Um, you know, we got absolutely battered. He said that was it. This, this did he say that? Did he? And said yeah. that that was his lowest, his lowest point, his worst point out ever. And then that was obviously we went to Stamford Bridge, got got beat four nil, and then the season ended because of well, got postponed or so suspended because of lockdown, didn't it? So that was wasn't a great point to to end on. Um, so it'd be great for him to go back there, wouldn't it? And, and certainly pick something up from the game. Um, he's, he's, he wants to wants to prove that we've we've progressed from from that that particular point, which we know that we have. But these are the kind of tests that we, we we need to, and we have been to be fair this season that we need to stand up and 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 show our metal and and show what we're all about. And let, let's hope we can get something from the game. But Lee, give me give me a prediction. How, how confident are you? Uh, like I said before, I think it'll be a tight game either side. I think I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one one. I think it'll be one one. Um, it won't. It won't be a high-scoring game. I don't think we'll go there. As I said, and be tough to break down, provided they don't score early. Um, I can see it following a similar pattern to a lot of games we've played this season of teams like that. Really, um, so one-one for me. Andy, I'm going to say nil-nil. I think it'll be a, a beautiful score draw. No, it's not score draw. Zero score draw. <laughs> I would just say that Carlo was beat by Steve Bruce this season, so I'd like him to reconsider what he said was his worst performance. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after watching Newcastle against West Brom today, that's for sure. Um, Pete, it's going to be Michael Keane one 0 Oh, lovely, love it, Pete. Bullet header, Michael Keane thirty-five yards rasper, top in that dives into the shed end where no one's there, just lands onto the uh, onto the covers on the seats. He had a shot from like thirty odd yards against. Who was it? Was it Spurs? It was the league cuff. Was it? Yeah, it, it won, didn't he? He had, he had a 35 yard. Strike as well, wasn't it? Over, so. I, think, I think he got oh, a nosebleed. Yeah. <laughs> Caught it really well, then he just swung his foot, did he? See where it went. Um, but no, he's had a great season, Michael Keane. You know, it's it's uh, it's good to see him have a good season. Um, I'm, I'm going to say, I think one or as well. Yeah, I think we'll get something from the game. And I'll be fairly, I'll be fairly satisfied with that. Um, but. Really tough game. Wouldn't surprise. Wouldn't any result wouldn't surprise me in terms of Chelsea win, Everton win, or, or a draw. Uh, it's going to be a difficult game. We're going to be difficult to break down, and and let's let's just hope we come we come away with something, and that'll be that'll be great for ourselves going forward. Um, be, we'll uh, go around... be, sorry, mate. I think we're very similar to the Goodison game, wasn't it? That was one nil. Uh, yeah. And you know we we played. I know Lampard was coming to the end of his tenure there, but I think we we played very well that night. Um, we played really well to nullify their threats. Obviously, they're coming into this game with a bit more confidence, but um, you know, I think he'll set us up very similar to that, to, to the way we played at Goodison, um, and see if we can obviously create going forward. Which I think we will. The key, the key is Richarlison. I think will cause some problems. You know, he, he looks like he's got a goal in him now, isn't he? The last few games, so I think he will cause some problems providing we can get the ball to him. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. We know Richarlison. He's he's a big time player. He, he he turns up certainly for for those. The games against the top side. So let, let, let's hope he, he carries that on. 
Um, but we're going to end this week on our, our favourite favorite part of the show list. This is fast becoming um, our, our favourite part of the show. Andy's brought brought with him is getting the top bin subject, and I can't wait to hear what this is. Andy, take it away. I've got a lot of like pet peeves at the moment with football for whatever reason, but this one I think is the biggest one. Obviously, now we're in the era of the pressing systems. My biggest pet hate at the moment is half pressing. You know when players fake the press where they do a little slow jog towards the player? Everton have suffered from a couple of players doing this all season, I've noticed. I, I, I just don't get it. Just don't do it. Don't be wrong. It, it puts some play under slight pressure, but it also leaves you out of position because you haven't actually committed to anything to force any pressure on them. So it really winds me up. And, you know, there's a couple of names, one who's been particularly good recently, who does it quite often, where he jogs out to meet the man and then he passes it round and he's, you know, he's, you know, he goes behind them. Either commit to the press or don't commit to the press. Don't just go look at the managers you're running over, half jogging, give them a wave to say, look, I'm doing it. I don't, none of that. Just commit to the press, please. Because, you know, they're them across the park. I've suffered from it all season where they used to press and now half the players can't be bothered. It's it's awful. Is it, you, you need, go on. Is it is it can't it be bothered or is there another underlying reason why they can't do it, Andy? That's the question. But that we will won't get involved with that in case we have the lawyers on our on our backs. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> it, let let me guess. Tats approach to pressing. It's you don't what? you don't actually confront the player. You're just trying to sort of joster him into the the correct sort of area of the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Go on. Let me guess, Andy. On, the player you're referring to, his name begins with A N D and ends with E. You, know, you, you could say Andre <laughs> Gomez is a, is a, is a world class half presser. Yeah, he, you know. Don't be wrong. Andre Gomez has, has been okay recently. Don't be wrong. I'm not his biggest fan, but you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson's been guilty of it. Alex yeah, Wobie as well, who can be can be quite guilty of it. Uh, obviously not to coronate and now and they they commit fully. But there's some players who they just it's just that thing where it's like yes I'm doing my job but I'm not really. It's 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 sort of faking it. I want to see players play with intensity and get out there and cause players under pressure. Not, you know, jog out there. And I think not as evident under Carlo, I don't think, but under other managers it was very evident where players weren't really committing to the press. Yeah, that's a really is, good point. Is it, go, go on, mate. Is it, is it, is it not, a, not an almost though? Don't they sometimes get instructions? And this time I sound a bit mad from that, like people saying, from the manager. Just the the sources, you know, just <laughs> not, not, so, not so much, not so much faith, but only sort of thing. Don't they have to get told, listen, go them, but, but don't, don't go full pelt there so you can then sort of drop back in and support, support us defensively. But give me, you know, let them know that, you, that you're knocking around and try and put them off a little bit. Don't they get told to do things like that? I know, I, I know, I would. I know that that's my. Lee definitely would because he just strolls oh. around the pitch like like, like uh, no one's business. You, I'd say, yeah. I've I'm never seen. I've never seen. Oh, I've never seen anyone like him in my life. D- defensively, he's got. He hasn't got a defensive defensive cell in his brain. That lad, I tell you. No, no wonder he likes Andre Gomez so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not the player. I'm not the player that wants to be on the pitch. You need to see out a game. And I'm, I'm the guy probably trying to get a, nut, a nutmeg on halfway or something like that. Do you know what I mean? on a phone, Manage, yeah, the manager's screaming at you. Get back! <laughs> no, that 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 that's one of the big. That that's probably my biggest pet peeve at the moment. Is I I just want I think that you know do if you're going to press press if you don't just stay in a line keep it tight. You know another one just a quick aside another one is players shooting with the bottom part of the foot it takes all the pace out the ball. It's I don't get it. It's annoying. Just hit the ball full pelt. God's sake. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. You can tell I watch a lot of football because these are the type of things that annoy me all the time. 
Yeah. I, I had this feeling you were going to bring up um, when people talk about XG nowadays, and, and there's a lot of people on Twitter who, who moan about the, the statistical side of the game. And I think a lot of it, it's not, it's not so much but a lot of people probably just don't understand maybe what, what it means and maybe just needs a bit, a bit of education sometimes. I, th- I think, unfortunately, what's happened is I think some people have used it wrongly, right? And mm. people are like, what, what are you trying to tell me? That this is the real result and that's the fake result? The real result's the fake result? And it's, it's not like that at all. Basically, XG is an analysis tool to show where weak parts of your game are or trends, basically. Like Evan, if, for example, a season are overperforming their XG, what that tells you is that, like, like we said before, they're being overly clinical and they're keeping goals out maybe at the back. They shouldn't do. But that happens. Liverpool did it for two and a half years. And then it slowly suddenly ran out. Manchester United under Ollie when he first came in did a thing for nine or ten games, whatever it was, and then it ran out, and that's why they struggled in the second half of the season. It's showing trends that you can't always get away with. But what I would say is it doesn't mean that because you won the XG battle, it means you won the game. You can control a game without you know without creating a lot of shots. We've seen Mourinho do it this season, you know, where they you know they allow teams possession and in Lardong's creeps. So you and another way of thinking of it also is so we, what we, we also have what's called game stage. I don't want to go too high, but if you, you, you notice in some games, teams will win the XG because the team's 2-0 up and they're just taking a lot of pot shots from 30, 40 yards and it racks up if you keep taking shots. So you've got to look at it that way. There's, it, it's, it's quite in-depth. I, th- I think the, the problem is is the way it's been used and people don't understand that, like you say. It's not for everyone. It's I don't use it every every day. I'm not sitting there going, his XG is not that good. I'm not going to say, I, I won't recommend to sign. And that never happens. Don't be wrong. If a player's like outperforming his XG by four or five, you think, is that sustainable or is it not sustainable? Yeah, it, it, it's it's horses for courses, really. I think however you enjoy football, enjoy it. But what I would say on the side is understand that the game is moving in a more analytical way because people want us to make, have a whole context view of things. They don't just want to go, I trust my eyes. My eyes are, are right. They want to see the different sides of things, subjective, objective. I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring it up, but you know, I thought it's too much of a, too much of a horn. It's for some people. Well, it's true, isn't it? Because play scouts now will do, will do, will will look at that as well as the eye test. So it's a combination of the two. It's a combination of the two to to formulate your view of a player, isn't it? It's as simple as that. Obviously, look at Everton. You know, they they brought Haaland down for what was it, four or five days? He said, "Look, he's not good enough." <laughs> Did they see Walsh? Did they? <laughs> no, but if you look at it this way, you know, ever want to sign a striker? There's what four and a half thousand strikers in a database, right? How do you whittle them down? Do you just go, oh, I want to go sign players from the Premier League. You don't do it. You use data to narrow the list, and then you start watching them because then you've got to find out if they're quick enough, if they're strong enough, if the touch is good enough. I test will never go away. I think this is what people are scared of. It has to work hand in hand. I wouldn't just sign a player off data. I wouldn't just sign a player off eye test because I need the full the full view of people. It's, it's, I think that's don't be wrong I'm not going to force people to go you you must look at the, you know, the passing accuracy I don't even like passing accuracy I'm just using it as an example people just enjoy it for what it is I use it but you know I, I work on the game so it's one of those things that I must use we definitely didn't do, we definitely didn't do an eye test on Umar yes. <laughs> yeah, we did we did three scouts said no Roberto Martinez decided to go himself and sign him whatever that may that's up, that's up to him that, that was a mistake. U- Umar's, you know, Umar's trying to find the club still. You know, good luck to him. Bless him. <laughs> me. So what, what, what are we saying, lads? Are we, are we all on board with this uh, this half-press, semi-press, get it in the top bin, or as we like to call it, the, the Lee press? Pete? <laughs> well, it, it's, when Everton players do it, you can get right in the top bin. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, Pete hates Gilfie. He hates Gilfie half pressing. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Gilfie, do you know but what's someone else that was sort of like so you because know, there's always little trends in football and it'd be like oh what Gilfie's doing is he's faking the press he's making them think he's going to run towards them but actually he's not I and mean, someone will write a column on that one day but it won't be true because he's just not run he's just not doing it properly but yeah i understand what people say <laughs> to be fair, to be fair you know what it was, driving, it was driving me mad the other day when we conceded that Dean Garner goal if you look at the build up to that we had the ball in their corner and then it kind of he got into a bit of a scuffle didn't it and the ball was like popping about We, you know, and we literally lost about three we lost the first ball then the second ball then the third ball then ended up in a cross in our box and you know Ashley Cole alluded to it saying look Everton look like they're a team going places but they need to play with a bit more intensity and I just felt in that moment there look we're, we're, the wind's in our grasp here Let's just foul someone, give it, you know, break up the play or anything, and we just somehow managed to get a you know ball into our box. And on another day, that could have been a goal, couldn't it? So th- that that annoys me. You know, players there, you know, we're in a shout of getting another three points here. Let's just do whatever we can. You know, take someone out, take a yellow card or whatever. City are brilliant at it, tactical fouling. You know what I mean? Um, go on. What I will say is, at least it wasn't one of those that's ever in that moment, was it? Actually, for what you know, for once it's end in our favour, usually. You know the VAR machine with the broke. We were never would it never would have happened or something. You know they would have drawn a line or drawn draw a foot. So he was on side. You know one of those things. So it worked out for us quite well. Yeah, it did. I think it should go in the bin. Yeah, definitely. It's surprised me that as you are an advocate of it, but um, I yeah I, I, I completely attic. Yeah, yeah. As much as I think that some players are taught to play a particular way and guide. Guide like that, you know, like you're in a car. Oh, don't be wrong. You're, you're angling people into into certain areas of the pitch. I, I can understand that. It's when no one else is doing with that, and it's just you doing this little jog towards a player. I just can't have that. Do the press. <laughs> yeah, we we'll we'll whack in the top in. That's for sure. We, we'll 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 uh, we'll kick it in there. It's I like PC, especially if it's yeah, <laughs> especially if it's uh, if it's Everton players. That's for sure. It's good enough for uh, for Macker and Fletch, and he's good enough for us. You know. Top, top lads, top lads. That's right, Fletch. <laughs> but it, 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 anyway, who was it who said? It, it was an Italian manager that said, um, it, it might have been Carlo, actually, I'm not quite sure, that said, like, you know, in, in football, you have water carriers and you have musicians, like the water carriers running around and give it to the musicians who play the game. Is it Carlo? Is it one of Carlo's phrases? That I think it might be. I know, right. it's, I know, I know it's not Saki, because Saki's a two different one. I'm trying to think of which Italian manager's quote. It might be, it might be Carlo's, yeah. It might be one of his sort of like, in other words, Casuto, you run around and Ambrosini, you run around and snap people and just give it to Pilo. Well, that, give it to Pilo and let him play the game. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Water carriers just, you know, let Pilo play the music and you, you, know, you two yeah. dogs around in the field speeding it all up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how football's played. Dog. <laughs> what, 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 a, what a lovely, what a lovely uh, quote to end it on, though. What a lovely quote to end it on. Uh, but that's us for this week. Andy. Thanks for coming on the show again, mate. It's always a pleasure. Enjoyed it. As usual. And we will be as usual. Um <laughs> and we'll be back next week to look back at the uh, the Chelsea game and also Burnley. Uh, we play Burnley in the meantime as well. Pete's off for another modeling stint on, on Crosby Beach with the um with the Iron Men, which we, which we also look forward to seeing. <laughs> So stay stay tuned for those pictures and we will we will catch you all next week. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton Podcast. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.